this is Dolio, an original thriller fiction podcast presented in serialized format, a chapter at a time, written by Jared Canton, narrated by Joshua Canton, a Steady Chaos production, 2019. Previously on Dolio. That might be the most goddamn ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my entire goddamn life. My father's views on my idea were anything but veiled. But it makes sense, I countered. Let me get this straight. You make up this vigilante who, in an attempt to save the life of a felon, accidentally contributes to his death? In reality, there was no vigilante. Well, there was, but you were him. But you told the detective that he was him, and you were not? Now, your bright idea to get out of the lies you got yourself into by being so careless, so short-sighted, so very impetuous, is in fact to become the thing that you lied about? Dad grasped the wheels on his chair and lurched himself forward. I hadn't previously noticed, but even as a paraplegic, he hadn't lost his tendency to pace when pissed off. I'm not going to become him, I'm going to play him. I knew before I even finished the sentence that it was a bad choice of words. You're going to play a vigilante? Dad spun his chair back to face me. You play checkers. You play backgammon. You don't play vigilante. Hear me out. Why should I? I can't believe... He coughed hard into his hand. Then again... What were you thinking? I panicked. I've never pushed somebody off a building before. This is uncharted territory. You should have just told the truth. Maybe, but I'd have lost my job, been turned into a laughingstock, splashed all over the news. My work, this life, this life we have is all that I know. I wasn't ready to give it up. I guess, in retrospect, with what happened to Cindy, maybe it wasn't worth saving after all. What happened to her was awful, and you're taking it hard, I get it. But it's not your fault that a bad man did a bad thing. You do a lot of good in your work, and if you had just told the truth, everything would have worked itself out. Look at us. This world, Dad. Things don't just work themselves out. A city prosecutor chasing down criminals and tossing them off rooftops. Those types of things don't just wash away with the news cycle. It was an accident, Dad retorted. It wouldn't look that way, and I can't change my story now. I'd go to prison for obstruction. Do you have any idea what would happen to me in prison? Do you know how many people I've helped put in that place? Dad nodded, conceding my point. This is an easy fix. I take a few case files, make it look like the vigilante follows the newspapers, and I slap a hurting on some bad guys. And how do you pin it on this vigilante you created? I'll give him a calling card. Make it a dunce cap. I'm serious, Dad. So am I. You haven't thought this through. Because if you had, you'd be anything but serious about this ridiculous idea. I'm doing this, but I need you with me. Like a pouting child, Dad rotated his chair away from me and sat. What if you're hurt? He asked, still facing away from me. His voice cracked as he said it. It's better than going to prison. And once you create this vigilante, who's to say they won't keep searching for him until they find him? Dad paused. Until they find you. I'll figure that out when the time comes. Dad appeared deep in contemplation, and he ran a hand through the mop of hair atop his head. I can't get behind this. I can't sit idly by and watch you throw your life away. I won't watch you chase away trouble by making more of it. Dad, it's not just about pinning blame on a vigilante. Maybe this is why I am the way I am. What if this is why I've... We've been through everything we've been through. Maybe CIPA isn't a curse after all. Maybe I can help people, just in a different way. 
By getting yourself killed? No, by preventing other people from ending up like Cindy. Like you. My eyes glazed over with wetness. My life, my training, my education, my job, it all adds up to someone that can make a real difference before people are hurt, instead of sitting idly by waiting for them to be hurt. But I need you with me. What do you need from me? How could I possibly help with this? He forced an exaggerated look down at his chair. You've been... There was no delicate way to say it. Dad, since I was a kid, you've barely left the house. But you always managed to have what I needed. I need you to get the stuff on this list, but I can't have it tracked back to either of us. Episode 15 Hostile Witness Nothing says good morning like a hostile witness. The young man's arms folded tightly over one another, and his face was crumpled into a mess of discontent. Squinty eyes tracked my movement. Black eyebrows darted inward, shaped like a V written with an old English feather pen. His mouth was a thin line, his lips almost invisible, and the corners of his young eyes managed to press uncomfortably into wrinkles. For a 19-year-old, Latrell Allen was truly bringing the venom. I told you, I told your boy, I ain't saying nothing. I mulled the words over for a moment, processed them. I think that made Grant my boy. Do you not want to tell me anything, or do you not want anyone to find out that you told me something? He looked perplexed. Man, you're not much shrink, and this ain't show and tell. He scratched at a faded lion tattoo on his neck. If I turn off the recorder, can we have a real conversation? Latrell didn't say anything. I walked to the corner of the room and killed the power to the video recorder. I showed him the deadened red light, carried the camera and tripod out the door and tipped it over in the hallway. It crashed to its side on the rug. Human faces flashed my direction from cubicles, heads popping up like suspicious groundhogs from tiny dirt piles. You crazy, bro? He looked at me hard, headed a slight tilt as I re-entered the conference room. It appeared as if he had already concluded that I was. I know how this works. You don't say anything, and nothing ever changes. I've seen a hundred kids like you come in. You know how many came back in? He remained silent scanned me curiously with experienced eyes that portrayed his youth. You either die out there, doing this, following this code, or you're back in here because of another incident like this. Man, I know where I know you from. He looked me up and down in disgust. You were on the news all bleeding and shit. You bitched out while that little girl got whacked. I slammed my fist down hard. The table bounced, skipping a few inches along the floor. The groundhog faces from the cubes again collectively elevated. I walked to the window and drew the blinds, shutting out the curious critters. Yeah, she was murdered because she had more balls than you and any of your friends. You know who you're talking to? The kid elevated from his seat enough to prop himself on the table from extended arms. I'm not your enemy, I said, ignoring his aggressive posture. A serious size differential, a couple decades of a hand-to-hand -hand training, and about ten years placed the advantage solidly in my corner. That guy that shot your brother. That guy that broke into your mom's house. That guy you won't tell me a peep about. He's your enemy. What you want from me, man? You and I both know I'll never see the inside of no courtroom. They got him. They'll get me. For the first time in a long time in this situation, I felt completely helpless in my official capacity. Drug activity in Boston had been steadily growing and advancing from isolated violent crime and low-scale operations to a more mob-related methodology, which included intimidation. 
From the look in this young man's eyes, I could tell someone had gotten to him. And the weakness, impotence of this position that I had coveted for so long, that I had lauded for making a difference, was again rearing its ugly head. The job was a knife with no blade. Sometimes you need, in my case even want, the blade. I was going to become a blade, and in the process, hopefully keep myself alive and out of prison. What if I told you there was another way? Man, you ever seen a snitch DVD? He asked. I had to let him know that he could tell me things here that would never find the light of day, without giving him information enough to connect the dots when a vigilante started making house visits to those he implicated. I hadn't. I shook my head. Guy like me sitting home one night, minding my own business. I nodded. I hear a car, loud muffler, pulls up to the front of my house. Next thing I know, glass everywhere, and a brick with a DVD taped to it lands on my floor. The two men that threw it stand there side by side on my mom's lawn. They waiting for me to come to my window. I walk up, they do the throat slash sign, get in the car and leave. What was on the DVD? Couple mask guys saying don't snitch, then three dead bodies, and then back to the guys and they say, snitch prevented. Now if you were me, what would you do? I'd refuse to testify, I admitted. Exactly. Now imagine just two days after I get this DVD, and remember, only four days after me and my moms had to bury my brother, I get an envelope in the mailbox. I open it, and there's a newspaper clipping inside. It's a picture of my brother being wheeled up my mom's house. If you look close, you can see me in the corner of the pic. Thing is, I didn't have to look close, because they circled me in red. I get it. So can I go? No. I took a seat, leaned back in the chair. Let's say I don't ask you to testify. Man, I ain't testifying. That issue dead. I ain't saying shit. You probably haven't heard of a material witness designation, have you? Nah. His ignorance on the issue temporarily muted him. Pretty big weapon for us suit types after 9-11. It means if we know that you know something, we can slap you with a tag and toss you in the clink until you agree to testify. And you think I'll survive in there? He laughed off the threat. Probably not in Gen Pop, but solitary confinement could do the trick. Keep you safe for a few months until trial. Yo, this is bullshit. Is it? I asked. You really want me to get myself killed? That's the only way me helping you ends. I'm not going to force you to testify. I couldn't handle more innocent blood on my hands, and the kid was right. We couldn't protect him, inside or outside of jail. I just need a place to start. I could see the wheels spinning. He was considering the idea. How much of a start? I need a gang, a name, and a physical description, and I need some way to be certain you're not lying. He thought about it for a moment, looked around the room, maybe for a second camera. Yo, this ain't no trick. It isn't. How can I be sure? Beyond me giving you my word, you can't. Same way I can't be sure you're not just going to lie to me. I can tell you there'll be consequences if you do, but I can't be certain you still won't. He was definitely scared, and although it went against everything I had worked for for the past several years, I had to use it to my advantage. My brother was trying to get out. Of what? He was running opioids for the blood struggles. It ain't their operation, but they provide muscle. I've heard of them. They had made regular appearances on the criminal docket over the past several years. My brother told him he was out. They shot him on the front steps. Latrell's face was stone still. I imagine he wanted to break down, but knew he'd never do it in my presence. I saw the whole thing. Saw the driver, the passenger, and I knew both of them. They ate my mom's cooking before. Sat at my fucking kitchen table. Been at my motherfucking home. Names? I only knew them by Jermaine and Rodney. Do you know where they live? There's an apartment complex in Roxbury. 
punch of a bank up there. How do I know you're telling me the truth? Your blood struggles tattoo every hit in the back of their neck. It's a barcode. Each line is a kill. The wider the bar, the bigger your rep. They'll each have fresh tats. I looked at him, a hint of lingering doubt in my mind. You don't believe me? He looked angry, almost surprised, as if I owed him a certain level of respect that I had betrayed. Go to the morgue. My brother had the mark. Two lines in his barcode by the time he got out. You know who else has had one? Who? Paul fucking Friedman. From... Yeah. That Paul Friedman. He was running that stuff at local colleges. College dropout. White boy. Cheap labor. Cops don't look twice at a guy like that. Check his neck. What's left of it. Rumor has it he was getting deep. Might have had his own tat. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed Dolio, please share us with your friends and family, and join our Facebook group at Dolio Podcast so you can interact with the creators. Happy holidays to all, and thanks for sticking with us.